Welcome to a special edition of the Dynasty Pulse podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. Uh, Mike Kraffick should be joining me momentarily here as we're, we got together tonight to talk about our quarterback uh, ranks and to just to inform you guys of kind of where we are at on these guys, what we are exactly thinking at this moment in time. So, uh, um, Mike, like I said, Mike should be joining us very, very quickly here. Uh, we're going to talk about quarterbacks to start out with. We're going to also talk tight ends and offensive linemen. Uh, Mike's maybe having a little bit of trouble right now, but uh, we will we will get him on in a second. Um, pretty crazy day here in uh, free agency land as uh, Javon Kirsch ends up going back to Seattle. Uh, kind of a kind of a weird thing after they said last week that that was not going to happen, and here we are. So, uh, uh, speaking of here we are, here is Mr. Mike Kraffick. So we get his music rolling. I'll patch it through. Mike, how's it going, buddy? Good, Josh. How are you? Very good. Uh, like I said, Mike is joining us today as we're doing a special edition of the Dynasty Pulse here on a uh, Thursday evening. We're talking about rookie or rookie or excuse, not rookies yet, uh, quarterback prospects. Uh, and like I said, we'll get to uh, after after Mike leaves. I'll talk tight ends and give you some thoughts on my thoughts on some offensive lines because. Mike, I don't know about you, but I can't help myself. I love watching offensive linemen film. I don't know what it is, but I I, it's, I feel like I learned so much. And, you know, already I'm talking kick slide this and hands fight that. And, oh, I love it. But anyway, so I got some I got some thoughts about a lot of these guys. And I like some guys that you might be surprised if, if you at all care about, as I like to call them, the protectors of the realm, if you are a, a Game of Thrones fan, you know exactly what I mean. But, uh, yes, very excited to bring you this special edition of the show and uh thank you to mike for uh helping helping us get these rookie ranks out last week and uh helping us out tonight uh mike's if you if you don't ha- haven't read mike's stuff or haven't heard that name before you don't read enough on dfw because mike's a big part of the site and we we appreciate you mike happy to be here man happy to join you i was glad to do the rankings uh it was fun. It really forced me to dig into some guys that I probably wouldn't have looked as closely at. So uh had fun doing it and looking forward to talking about some quarterbacks. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of a lot of us uh, Dynasty guys, like, we like to get our top three or top five. But, you know, I ended up ranking 12 tight ends and, you know, 15 quarterbacks. So we, I mean, it doesn't – we don't need to go that deep and not all the guys that we talk about today are even to get drafted. But uh, – yeah, you know that's kind of that's kind of a crapshoot. But we want to know, we want you to know that we are going through everybody to find the best possible scenario for you, and just give you our thoughts on them, so we you have a nice background when your team drafts this player, and you're like, oh, who's that? We want we want to be there for you because we've studied that player. So, um, why don't we just get started here, Mike? With um, now we're gonna go. But work backwards. We'll start at number ten and work down to uh, our number ones here. But who didn't make your top ten, Mike? That's 
going to maybe uh, make you eat your words here that you that you could possibly think. So looking at my rankings, one guy that I think I'm a little bit low on is Jeff Driscoll uh, from Louisiana Tech. I had him at 13. Uh, Bill Servey had him at six, and you had him at eight. Um, so that's forcing me to, to go back and take another look. Um, maybe I uh, underrated him a little bit. So I want to go back and take a little look at him. But he's the one guy outside my top ten that I think I might end up moving up a little bit. Yeah, you know, I like Driscoll a lot, and obviously I'm going to talk about him because I, I have him in my ranks. I think he even maybe jumped up a little bit. Um, nope, I still have him at eight. Um, he was the top, fastest quarterback in the 40, which you know, I know doesn't really mean much, but uh, he, I think he surprised a lot of people with his athleticism, and he's not – your prototypical, like, you know, option or running quarterback, but the guy can really move in the pocket. And I think, obviously, in today's games with uh, that stupid Bronco everybody's talking about, Vaughn Miller, <laughs> uh, trying not to let my Raider fandom show through, but that there it is. Um, you know, with guys like that coming off the edge, you know, and even even though he hasn't really come to fruition, but guys like Jadavian Clowney, who are 270 and running a sub-4-5, I mean, you need to be able to be able to move around and step up in that pocket. And Driscoll really has that. I, I think, I think a lot about um, that with my number 10 guy, Jake Coker, and that would have been the perfect segue, but I got to tell you somebody who's outside of my top 10, Mike, that, um, and it's Cardell Jones, you know, the size is there. I, I grant him that, but I just, I just don't know. He's, I think he is such a huge project and I, I, you know, if he's if he's a starting quarterback or given a chance with a team like three years from now, I'll certainly be intrigued. But I think he just still has a lot for it. He's got a he's got a rocket, and and he's got the size. He he could maybe trim down a little bit, but I I'm not I just I just can't get in him and I'm into him. And I guess you'll talk a little bit more about him as you have him ranked uh, uh, number eight there. But uh, what who who you got at number ten, Mike? Uh, so number 10, I have, I I was looking at our number 10 consensus, which was Jake Coker. Um, I actually have Nate Sudfeld at my number 10 spot. Um, big physical quarterback, uh, good arm, some accuracy issues, um, coming out of Indiana, but I, I like some of the tools that he shows, and, and I think if he gets into the right system, can sit behind an established starter to develop and, and adjust to the speed of the NFL game, uh, I think he could – he has the chance of developing into an NFL starter. And I think that's what we're looking at when we're down here uh, at the end of our top ten. Yeah, I, I like Sudfeld a lot, Um I actually have him just outside of mine, but I I, I hear what you're saying about the size um, and and the accuracy issues. Um, but he's I think he's a nice piece of clay that you could mold. Um, you know, one thing that's weird is when you see him, you know, you see the size and you you expect this like big hulking man, and he's he's kind of trim. I don't know exactly where all that 
all that weight is, and maybe it's just in his thighs, but, but you, you expect to see a little bit of a bigger man, and you just don't see that. Maybe maybe the uniform is very flattering on him. Maybe he looks good in red. Maybe we need to see him in, like, a yellow pants, like the Green Bay pants or something. But, uh, um, yeah, I just I, – not not totally crazy uh, about him, but I I do I am intrigued by him. He's definitely like a like a sixth seventh rounder probably uh, in my mind, and a perfect guy to to just sit. You know, I I I feel like I see a lot of AJ McCarron in him. So and if that's going to give you guys a, maybe a nice basis for where I think he is at right now, uh, my number ten as I already said before is Jake Colbert. Um, uh, underrated scrambler, I think. You saw McCarron, obviously any Alabama quarterback, I think you have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt because, you know, he's he's got five NFL offensive linemen in front of him. And if somebody gets hurt, he's got a guy who's going to be an offensive lineman in the NFL two years from now stepping in. I mean, they have just absolute talent all over that line. But I really like his footwork and his anticipation, and I think he's, very athletic for his position. And where I know he wasn't asked to do a whole hell of a lot there for this offense uh, to survive, I just think he he could actually maybe break through and be an Alabama quarterback in the NFL. You know, we haven't seen it for quite some time. I remember when Alabama had that awesome run for three straight years when they were, like, lost one game or something and they didn't get a national championship because they were under some kind of uh, suspension through the NCAA and their quarterback was uh, Jay Barker. Right? The guy lost one game in three years as a starter. And totally surprised nobody gave that forgiven. guy a chance. Obviously, that was for and I'm charged. Thanks. a reason. But uh, um, I do like I do like Coker and what he brings to the table. Obviously, a lot of these guys, the lower part of our top ten, um, are going to be project guys. So uh, so d- we're not getting too excited about them. But I, I, I like what he brings to the table, and I'm just really intrigued by his uh, his skill set there. Um, do you have any thought? Like I see you got Coker number nine there, Mike. So why don't you talk about Coker a little bit more? Sure, yeah. And actually, if I'm looking at it now, I'd probably swap out Sudfeld and Coker, um, just to switch those guys out uh, at nine and ten. But Jake Coker, um, combine snub, uh, didn't get invited to the combine. Probably going to be a late round pick or undrafted free agent. Uh, he's got a, a decent arm and size, and, and I like what you said about being an underrated athlete. Uh, I think coming out of the pro-style offense, the Alabama offense, I think is a big plus for him. Um, he, he's a winner, and, and he showed that he's be, he's able to handle those big situations, and, and I think that's going to work well for him. Um, like you said, I think he may need to back up uh, an established starter for a while and, and play his way onto the field, may take an injury, uh, but I think he could, could be a capable NFL starter. Yeah, and he does kind of actually remind me a little bit of McCarron as well, but I think he's just a little bit a little bit quicker, a little bit better on his feet. You know, you really like the, the footwork out of him, and I think he's very accurate too. And I know, again, he's got, you know, six, seven seconds to throw the ball, and we'll see how accurate he is when uh, when somebody's bearing down his throat in the NFL. But uh, I, there's just a lot there that I, to like. And, you know, 
not that I love Alabama as a school, but I, it'd be interesting to see somebody break that mold and really be a be a nice a nice starter in the NFL. And we might we might look at them a little bit differently, but um, you know maybe they need to stop doing such a great job recruiting linemen, and then, and then we could really see what they're made of. Um, and speaking of guys who needed linemen last year, uh, number ten, like this guy's just kind of fallen through my ranks, and I know a lot of people like him. And they say, you know, in the right situation, it's just going to work for him. Probably not going to be Bill O'Brien, maybe now with uh, Brock Osweiler making a whole bunch of money. His former, his former coach there um, at Penn State. But I got Christian Hackenberg number nine. I know you got him uh, a lot higher than I do right now. But um, I just, I, I know the tools are there, but I, I feel like he's maybe just a little gun shy right now and. Another another guy that's a definite project. He's a guy that's going to need uh, his confidence built up before I would give him the reins to my NFL team. So that, that's really all I got in him. I mean, I know the the tools are there, but I, I just I'm just worried about kind of where he's at mentally, and he really struggled at the combine, and I think that surprised a lot of people because they expected his stock to rise after down, and, you know, I think a good landing spot for a guy like this would be maybe like Philadelphia in the, in the mid-rounds where he could sit there for a couple of years. Um, even even a place like uh, New England, I know they don't need a backup quarterback, or, um, or Buffalo where, you know, Tyrod's apparently going to be the man. I think he is a restricted free agent, so they have some have some things to do there. But uh, that, that's, what I, that's what I got for you, Christian Hackberg. Who, what do you got? Who do you have at number nine there, Mike? Or number eight, excuse me. Okay. So my number eight, I have Cardell Jones. Um, great size. He's huge. Um, good arm strength. Struggles with some of the accuracy. Um so good athleticism. I think the knock against him is the lack of experience really showed in 2015. Um, really needs to develop to be able to make that transition to the next level at the NFL. Um, has some of those tools, has the arm, can make the deep throws. Um, really played well in, in 2014. And if I, th- I think if he would have came out that year after that national championship run, his draft stock would have been much higher. Um, but I think some GM is going to look at him and say, we can work with this guy. We can develop him. And I think he'll get drafted earlier than I think a lot of people expect. Um, one comp that I seen that made me – pretty nervous and i don't know how you feel about this one was logan thomas um <laughs> as the comp for card uh, heard that heard that too yeah yeah so I, I i think the the skills are there the tools are there he really needs to develop and polish his game um i i think he, he's got got the arm strength can make the deep throws can put some touch on some passes but hasn't really shown that he could put it all together and I think that's going to take some time, and he's going to need to get into the right scheme. What I think my mock, I had him going to Baltimore. I think he, you know, he's kind of the same size as a as a Joe Flacco. We know you're a Steelers fan, Mike, but maybe put that aside for just a second. Do you, do you think that might be an all right all right place for him to develop? You know where. 
I kind of made the same comparison with like Big Ben and Jacoby Brissett last week when you joined the, when you joined the regular pulse. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that they do similar. I think I think Cardell might actually have a better deep ball than Flacco, but I just think they move a lot of the same same ways, and he could maybe be a competent backup if they if they need him to step in. Because nobody wants to see Ryan Mallett out there again, right? No, absolutely not. Um, except for Steelers fans, we'd love to see Mallett back out there. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think that this makes sense as far as a landing spot. I don't remember what round did you have them drafting him in? Do you I remember? Think, I want to say I want to say six, maybe fifth, but I think it okay. I think it was six. And yeah, the, and I think he injured himself during the combine, so he's gonna he's gonna be at a lot of under under some medical scrutiny just to make sure that's not worse than you know they tried to lead on to. So, no, no, I, I think that that's about right. I think he's gonna be a, a mid to late round guy, gonna be a developmental guy, and playing behind an established quarterback like Joe Flacco, who's got some years left on his deal. Um, I think that's a situation that makes sense. Okay. Um, my number eight is Jeff Driscoll. I, I kind of already talked about him a little bit, but uh, like I said, just great athleticism. And um, I think I talked a little bit about it when I profiled him on the on the uh, Pulse probably the last month. If you're looking for a game to watch, and you can actually find the whole game on YouTube as Driscoll went up against uh, Mississippi State this year, they lost by like. I want to say 20, 24 points, but and Driscoll was missing uh, another another huge prospect on in this in this year's draft. Uh, his star running back and his second all time in in college football touchdowns, Kenneth Dixon. Dixon did not play at all in that game, and so you know Driscoll's left to to find things with with his backup running back and depend on some receivers that maybe, you know, maybe aren't as talented as, as some of the, as the, the big three guys that they have going to the NFL this year. And he, he still put up 300 yards in that game. I think he's here for two touchdowns. Um, I think he did throw a couple picks, but you know, he's, 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 he doesn't show a lot of fear at all. And I, and I really like that about him. And like I said, you could watch that whole, whole game on YouTube. And I actually sat down and watched that whole game on YouTube because like I said, LaTeX got three prospects that are going to be probably, you know, I think the other the other one is a defensive guy uh, named uh, Vernon Butler. He's probably going to go first or second round. Dixon probably second or third, and Driscoll, you know, maybe hopefully soon after there. So that's just on that side of the ball. The other side of the ball, Mississippi State's got like five or six guys that are probably going to be drafted. So that's that's a good game to watch, and uh, we'll talk about their Mississippi State quarterback. Uh, much, much later, as I have him ranked pretty high. But Michael will get to him first. Um, um, so that was my number eight there, Jeff Driscoll. Who do you have at seven there, Mike? So my number seven, you already mentioned him a little bit, Jacoby Brissett. Um, he has the size and the arm strength of an NFL quarterback, can, has shown accuracy and touch, um, and can make make plays outside of the pocket. Uh, needs to improve some on his deep ball accuracy, but he definitely has the tools and the skills to be a starter at the next level. Uh, I think he has underrated. Um, he's underrated as a dual threat, and I think he could. I, I think he could do some damage at the next level if put in the right situation. 
Yeah, and what I actually like really like the, the Steelers thing that you mentioned last week as far as him as a Big Ben backup, um, I, I think that makes sense. And as a Steelers fan, would love to see something like that. I think what, like you said, with him being that kind of underrated dual threat, I think what what makes him so intriguing in that same aspect there, Mike, is the fact that he can tuck and run the ball. He does not do that very often. And but you know, if they, if, if somebody sees it once, you're gonna that's going to be in the back of your mind. But he is patient enough to let things get open, and he's he's smart enough to to extend the play with his legs. I mean. If I, I challenge anybody to watch him scramble around the pocket and not see Big Ben. I mean, they are built the exact same way. I don't know what their their height and weight is compared next to each other, but he moves exactly like him. Um, I also see a little bit of a Donovan McNabb in there too. So I I think he could, re- given an opportunity, and you know, sitting sitting next to a guy like Big Ben for a couple of years, and you know, we don't know how much longer Big Ben's going to be there. Oh, geez, if they can keep that nucleus of players together, he'd have a nice offense to step into two or three years down the road there. So I really like uh, Jacoby Brissett call. I got him, well, number six. So I guess I'll talk a little bit more about him if I need to in a second. Um, uh, number seven, the guy that took a big jump in my readings uh, was uh, Brandon Doherty of Western Kentucky. Um Wrote him down as a rubber arm slinger. This guy threw for, like, NFL-style yards in college. I mean, one year over 5,000, another year over 4,900. I think he led the nation in passing both the last two years. Um, again, it's a little bit of a smaller school type of thing, but this guy has a deep ball. He can get that ball so so deep. I'm really impressed by him. He might have – the prettiest he might have the prettiest arm he might throw the prettiest ball of all these guys and he you just see mountain mountain passes i mean this the thing just gets downfield so deep i i absolutely love it and he's got he's got inner you know touch in the inside 10 yards too so um i think there'll be a, an adjustment to the speed of the nfl for him and again you know we're we're still outside the top five here so Again, somewhat of a project, but I, I really like Brandon Doherty there. And if you if you missed it this week, uh, Alan Settley wrote a great profile on him, so make sure you go back and check that out um, just to kind of learn a little bit more about him and, and just the success he was at the college level. And I I think Alan, you know, is, is very optimistic, but Alan is also a guy that's uh, like, he, like he trains the writers here. You, you can't, you know, paint. Paint this beautiful picture, but without having some negatives in there. Now, Alan really lays it out, and this, you know, this is this is what he can do. This is what he can't do. This is his concern. So that's that's what I love about the profiling system that we have here, because I think you're gonna get you're gonna get the the no bones of you know the no not the non sugar coated approach, and 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 you'll see that there with Alan's right up there on Brandon Doherty. Um, Mike, who do you have at number six? Uh, my number six quarterback, I have a, a feeling, a sneaking suspicion you like him a bit more than I do, is Dak Prescott. Um, so for him, the size is a bit of a concern at 6'2", 226. Um, but how about the hands on this guy? 
10 and 7 eighths inch hands. So the dude's got some mitts, which means he could play in, in cold weather or outside. I'm thinking Cleveland Browns, um, you know, in the AFC North playing in the snow and rain where oh. that might not be an issue. I know there's some, uh, like Russell Wilson is someone who comes to mind. I'm not sure exactly what size hands he has, but I know he has bigger hands for a guy his size, and that's worked out very well. Um Quick release with good arm strength and good delivery, good dual threat. I think he had 37 uh, rushing touchdowns in his college career. Uh, struggled a bit with pressure in 2015 and needs some needs to develop a bit as a pocket passer to be successful at the next level. Um, I do have some concerns that if a team brings him in and drafts him, they may end up using him in packages, whether it be short yardage situations, two-point conversions, just using him as a role player package player, and that could set back his development a bit. So I have a bit of a concern about that. But overall, I really like like his tape and, and think that he could be a good player. I hear what you're saying there. I think a lot of people are going to see that that you know um, Cordell Stewart slash thing with him. Uh, a lot of he's going to get a lot of Colin Kaepernick predictions too because I think there's a lot of things that they do similar. But I I just really like how this guy moves. I think his move his moves are calculated and he's just oh he's just silky smooth. I, I really like this guy. But, and I'll I'll get to more of him later. Again. Um, uh, number my number six is Brissett, and we've we, we've already been there a little bit, but uh, yeah, uh, just a a guy that you didn't have a very good team around him in college, and you saw you saw good footwork and good patience out of him. So I think we talked about him enough, but I, I I'm I'm impressed by this guy every even more every time I watch him, um, you know. And if I if if he wasn't around, I think Jeff Driscoll would be a lot higher. But I got to give him the slight. Slight edge over Driscoll there. So, um, uh, who do you have at number five, Mike? Okay, so my number five you have a bit lower with uh, Christian Hackenberg. Um, so we're going to see how many times we can say the word tools on this podcast. Um, <laughs> he, he does. He, he has all the tools to be a an elite. NFL quarterback, in my opinion, but he's not going to come out and do that in 2016. Um, I think, you know, his freshman year under Bill O'Brien um, was, was really impressive, and I think he really set expectations really high. And then O'Brien leaves, and in comes Franklin with a scheme fit that just didn't really work for him. And that offensive line couldn't stop anybody. I mean, just go on draft breakdown and watch the game against Temple. I think he gets sacked 14 times in that game. Like, he just – he has no time in the pocket. He spent the entire game on his back. And while some of the sacks may be his fault, I just think the the talent around him or in front of him really didn't allow him to be successful. And I don't think the coaching staff was able or willing – to adjust what they were doing to play off of his strengths. And I think that was a mistake. But despite all of that, despite his struggles for the last two years, he still finished after being a three-year starter as Penn State's all-time leading passer in both yards and touchdowns. And Mike is uh, – I can't 
I can't say it, so I won't even I won't even attempt to pronounce it. But one thing I think that is really cool from people that are from people from Pennsylvania is how they refer to it as PA. I said it, but um, so Mike, Mike <laughs> is from the area, so he gets a little bit a little bit of a shot to to look at him a little bit more. Um, I uh, I used to know some junior hockey players. PA, as they call it, and it sounds so cool when they say it. It just sounds weird when I say it, but it just sounds so cool when people from Pennsylvania refer to it as their two letters there. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, Mike is the the regional the regional scout we have there on on Hackenberg. So maybe he does, he's a little higher in there because he does see that. And I didn't realize that he did, you know, out uh, out throw a lot of quarterbacks, all, all the all the Penn State quarterbacks. I mean, they have had some decent quarterbacks over the years. Uh, Kerry Collins, I would think, is probably maybe the best, probably at the NFL level. I'm not thinking of really anybody else, anybody else there that we would NFL fans would really know off of that record book there, Mike. I really don't think so. I think with you know Joe Paterno under him, it wasn't an air it out offense, so there wasn't an opportunity for for a lot of QBs to accumulate stats and then translate to the next level they were more of a running team uh but i think the fact that he started at a a major program as a freshman as a true freshman and then was able to hold that job all three years i think says something about about his talent i mean coming out of high school was an elite elite prospect um and after what he did his freshman year everybody's all excited you'd ask me Two years ago, he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. Um, was even optimistic heading into 2015 that he would be a high pick, top ten pick. Uh, but just his tape last year was just—it was really bad. And I don't think that's all on him. Okay. Um, so you—that was your five. My number five is Paxton Lynch. Um, I'm not trying to raise people's eyebrows at that. I, I as as a podcaster, I listen to several podcasts. And one guy that I've become very familiar with this season, especially, is uh, uh, Fran Duffy. He is the film guru for the Philadelphia Eagles. He is on Ross Tucker's College Draft podcast, and uh, Fran also does like three different podcasts, all about the Philadelphia Eagles. He is. A film room junkie. He is a scout. He goes to the Senior Bowl, East West Shrine Bowl. He goes to the Combine. I um, mean, the guy, the guy knows his stuff. And and I, I'm trying not to to build him up too much and treat his stuff like gospel. But I I really appreciate his opinion. And he got word somewhere through all the process there of the All Star Games and the Combine that Lynch had something going on with his knee towards the middle of the season. And he said he noticed as the guess he watched Lynch's games throughout the season that he, you know, there was games where his deep ball became less, less, and less, almost non-existent to the season. And I, and I bring this up because I want to give Fran credit for give, for passing along this information. But when you're six foot seven and you have a problem with your knee, I mean, does that not scream Yao Ming to you? I mean, big guys, when they, when they get hurt <laughs> down there in the leg, it's that that's detrimental. I mean, I, I, as a child, it wiped out on my bike so many times. I have just like no cartilage in one of my knee, and I'm and I'm six foot four, and I know how even a twenty degree weather difference here in wonderful South Dakota can affect, you know, the tendons and how tight that knee is. And I'm I'm not six foot seven trying to uh, uh, elude uh, Vaughn Miller or 
J.J. Watt. So uh, that's concerning to me. And uh, he's going to, I think, whoever drafts him better really, really look at that. You know, as far as Lynch as a player, I think the scheme that he was in was very nice for his tools. And I have, and I know a couple people out there that are really high on him. Bill Carroll, I had the pleasure to be on Bill Carroll's uh, college draft podcast here probably end of December. Bill has been t- talking about Paxton Lynch for three years, and he and he's, you know, he's welcoming everybody to the Paxton Lynch party because he he's very excited about what he can do. But so there's people out there that I respect that know that know him very well and think that he's going to be very good. But I when I watch the game, I think that that scheme there is very limited. I think it's a timing based scheme to where he's set up to be successful, you know, in, in, in very short windows. And, and I just wonder what that's going to be and how he's going to be able to elude rushes when things break down in front of him much, much quicker than they will, you know, much, much quicker than they did compared Memphis to, like I said, you know, with J.J. Watt coming right at you there. So, just some big concerns there I have about uh, Lynch. I think he has a nice arm. I do wonder about the deep ball. The deep balls you see from him this year have some decent accuracy on him, but you just don't see enough of them to really formulate an opinion there. So that's what I got for you on Lynch. Who do you have there at number four, Mike? So my number four quarterback is Michigan State's Connor Cook. Um, so experienced four-year starter can play under center. Um, he's comfortable throwing on the move. He's got good arm strength and, and a quick release. Uh, so he's got experience on his side. He's played in uh, a major college program for four years. Um, I, there are some concerns about his showing in the Big Ten championship game, and then again at Alabama, he really didn't show up in the big games um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I remembered hearing a story about him not being the captain of his team this year. Mm-hmm. Do you know, have you, have you heard that? Yeah. Yep. And he okay. turned, he turned down the senior bowl as well. So, so there, there's some, there's some red flags there that I think are a bit concerning. Um, he's also a little light. And, you know, at 216, is he going to be able to take, you know, the pounding that that this position is going to put on him? Um, So I have him behind my big three, and by the time it's all said and done, he may end up moving down a spot or two. It's hard to get excited about him. Yeah, I have actually – this is maybe the – might be the only one that we actually have at the same – the same number there, number four. Um, I, I am, uh, full disclosure, I love college football so much that I, I have a team in every conference, and uh, I don't really love anybody in the SEC, but, you know, I'm not from the South, and I'm not trying to start a war with anybody. I just I just don't really love anybody in that conference. Um, it's, but it's such a fun conference to watch so much, so. Uh, but Michigan State is obviously my team is where I'm going with this in the Big Ten. So, I've seen a lot of Connor Cook, and, you know, he's going to get that Alex Smith, Brian Hoyer game manager tag. Speaking of Brian Hoyer, 
what is all the trade rumors about him today? Is somebody seriously going to trade for that guy again? No way. But anyway, uh, with Cook, I, I think what is impressive to me is he's a great touchdown-to-interception ratio in college, and he does not get any credit for that at all. People don't mention that, and I realize he was asked maybe to do less than a lot of quarterbacks, you know, and the team wasn't necessarily built on on the deep ball there or, you know, a lot he did throw, you know, 30, 40 times a game. But I just think that he has that enough basis. He started seeing like 100 games at Michigan State. He's got experience. And if I'm going to bring in somebody to back up my quarterback, I want somebody that has seen that many snaps, like you said, can go under center, can do a lot of great things. I don't love him, but I think just the experience factor alone should should be able to help in the fact that he understands how to throw the ball in tight windows and he's just and he's got you know he's able to throw throw the ball and not and not turn it over and if you if you're looking at your team and you have to start your back quarterback that week you don't want to be concerned about that because that's going to totally destroy the psyche of your entire team if they start turning the ball over and obviously he's taken a step in the NFL and the NFL is much better than the Big Ten, but I just I, I just think there's enough there, there's enough under his belt for him to be successful should he be called on. I don't think anybody's going to draft him to be their starter next year, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be all over him, to, you know, on my fantasy team to to you know to uh, draft him, you know, if that was the case. But uh, I I just think given again given some time, I think this guy could could be good and he just here he has that experience i i would feel more confident in him than a lot of these guys um coming in and being my star just because of that experience level there so who do you got there for number three mike uh number three is a guy you had already mentioned paxton lynch um and when i'm looking at these guys um you know lynch Big, tall guy. You had mentioned the concern about his knee. Um, He really cut down on turnovers this year and and I think made some steps and some strides in his development. Um, Obviously, a a dual threat, an athletic player, but instead of just tucking and running, can really make plays outside of the offense and uses his feet to scramble around rather than – just picking up what he can get. Um, so I think with Lynch, the reason I have him at number three is I think he offers quite a bit more upside than a player like Connor Cook or or even Hackenberg. Like I think that he's one of the higher upside quarterbacks in this draft and that if he gets in the right situation, maybe can develop a bit. Um, you know, I, I kind of think of like Aaron Rodgers – sitting behind Brett Favre for a couple of years and being in a good situation and a good offense and then just taking off at the right time. I could see a similar, obviously not the best quarterback in the league. That's a little uh, a tall ask, but uh, I, I think he can really ascend and, and do well in the NFL if he gets into the right situation. So I think he's he's got a ton of upside, and, and I really like his skill set. Okay, sorry, sorry about that. Um, yeah, 
that's that's some very good points there on Lynch. I do I do like what he what he he can do, but I, I one concern I, I have with him is I think he you know he's in a lot of people's top three. I'm not blaming you for having him in your top three, but I think that's where we're in the conversation where this guy is going to be a week one starter, and and I don't know if he's going to be quite ready for that just yet. Um, my number three is uh, Dak Prescott. Um, said a little bit about him already. I just, I feel like he just he just moves. He has the he has that athleticism to to do really really good things there. And um, I just I, I just like him. I and I think he's so much more than Colin Kaepernick. Um, I hear your concern about the size, but I just a guy. And I, you can't get overly excited about a running quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be asked to do that. No, no NFL GM in the right mind or coach in the right mind would ask a guy to do that. But again, with the athleticism, it's it's there. And you know, I've I've been right and I've been wrong about guys like that. I really liked Brett Hundley last year. I didn't think he was going to be a starter, but for any means for a team next uh, his rookie year, and, and obviously he wasn't backing up Aaron Rodgers. But I just think. There's so much there with him that I uh, really, really believe that he can he can make that make that next step. And I know since I'm putting him in my top three, I could see him being a week one starter. Um, and maybe I said something different earlier, but uh, you know, what about San Francisco, Mike? What if he went to San Francisco and 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 got in with that Chip Kelly scheme that is is kind of a you know a college NFL hybrid? Would you would you feel any differently about him if that's where he landed? I mean, if he was going to be the week one starter with Chip Kelly, I could get excited about that. But I think if he's going to land in San Francisco and develop behind somebody, I have concerns that Chip Kelly will still be there by the time that development happens, where by the time he gets a chance to be on the field, there's going to be a whole new regime in there. I just, I'm not a huge Chip Kelly guy. Um, I don't, I, I think he's in a bad situation in San Francisco, and I think it's going to be really hard to make it work there. Um, but yeah, I think if that's a place where he would end up being the week one starter, I think Chip Kelly, if anybody, could make that work. Uh-huh. What about uh, Denver, since they seem to have no care about their offensive players anymore? Uh, you might have to be their week one starter. What, what would you think about that? I mean, you're going into Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. That, that's got to make any rookie quarterback smile, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't know who he's going to hand the ball off to if C.J. Anderson headed to, to Miami. But uh, I think that's got to be their their game plan next year is to turn around, hand the ball off to whoever's in the backfield, maybe put Vaughn Miller in the backfield and let him run for a couple <laughs> of touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, I maybe think there's some interesting maybe landing spots Henry. that he could go to. Mm. Yeah, just not Cleveland. Don't, don't, Please don't not say Cleveland. that again. I, I, meant, <laughs> I meant to scold you when you said that earlier. Um but, uh, yeah, uh, who do you have at number two there, Mike? So my number two seems to be the consensus number one is Carson Wentz. Um, and, you know, Carson Wentz, he's got the size, he's got the arm, he's got the numbers and, and had a lot of success uh, at North Dakota State. Um, but I think that I have some concerns about his game 
transitioning to the NFL right away. And, and one of my main concerns with Wentz is if you look at his completion percentage, okay, so in 2012, his completion percentage, 75%. That's in eight games. Um, actually, not a whole lot of attempts there. And again, in 2013, 73%. Go to 2014, 63.7, and in 2015, 62.5. That in and of itself isn't a really bad number, but consider the level of competition that he was playing against. Um, I just I do have concerns about his completion percentage and accuracy playing at the FCS level, and I just don't know that he's ready to come in week one and carry an NFL team. And I have a feeling that he's going to go to – he's going to be a top ten pick. So that means that's going to be the expectation. Um, and I think that's a bit of a trap. Uh, I think he has as much upside as any quarterback in this draft. Um, I just think my number one is quite a bit safer, so that's why I put him over him. Um, very good points there, Jan, on Wentz. I, I, I obviously have him number one, so I do feel a little bit uh, different about him. But uh, uh, my number two is golf. Um, it's, it seems weird to just look at one thing and have this be the deciding factor, but, man, this kid is skinny. I mean, have you seen this, Mike? I mean, he just – he is olive oil out there. I just – and, you know, he, I don't know. He's got that smirk and on his face. Tiny like baby, he's, he's got tiny baby hands, too. Yeah, he's, you know, he's this California surfer kid. Maybe a little, maybe a little feels like he's above the law or whatnot. But I'm not going to hold any that against him. I just, I don't know, just looking for a little humor in all this. But um, I just I have some, some concerns there about how he's going to hold up and, and look at that type of thing. And I see where he does have a, a nice arm, but I, and I eating my words throughout the dynasty community the last couple of years for being so high on Nick Foles. And maybe I'm looking for a little vindication by, by keeping uh golf down, but that's exactly what I see out of him. And I still think there's hope for full for Foles. And so maybe there's a little hope for golf, but again, he's going to be the week one starter and you remember Foles at least had some time on the bench to develop um, before he was throw, thrown out there. So I just I have some concerns about that frame and how that's really going to hold up. His deep ball is nice. Um, he had some very athletic wide receivers too, some speed guys, uh, Kenny, Kenny Lawler, who I have already dubbed the uh, high-pointy ninja, made him look good <laughs> on a couple plays. So, and obviously he's going to be stepping into an NFL team that has NFL caliber offensive linemen, you know, or and of NFL caliber wide receivers. You're not going to be playing there um, in the NFL if you're not if you're not worthy. So he's going to have some guys that can help him out in that capacity. I am just really concerned about how he's going to hold up. I just I, I again Vaughn Miller, J.J. Watt, these guys are faster than they really should be, and that that's. That scares me about somebody that thin, where you know I I banged on uh, uh, Cardell Jones for being too heavy a little bit. Maybe maybe 
maybe he can give some of that uh, some of that weight to uh, Goff because I need I need to see something more there. You just you, just, you want to see something just a little bit more. I mean, Kaepernick is skinny, but he's got, you know, he's at least got those nice guns on him. You know, he's got those sexy arms and, uh, I just, I just not, uh, I just, I just can't get on to Mike. So, uh, what do you got on golf since he's your number one? Okay. So golf to me is the safest quarterback in this class. And, and I think that while I hear your concerns uh, about the size, and a lot of people point to the hands. I had made the joke about the tiny baby hands. If you just Google Jared Goff tiny baby hands, you'll see all kind of cool Google images and, and lots of articles <laughs> written about the size of his hands. Um, but honestly, unless he's playing in Cleveland or outdoors for the next year in Minnesota, um, I think in most situations he's going to be okay and the, the hand size isn't going to be too big of an issue. Um, what I think he brings to the quarterback position that I, I don't necessarily see from the other the other players in my top three or four is it, just the cerebral uh, the way he approaches the position and I just see a lot of similarities with a guy like from his former alma mater, Aaron Rodgers, where he can do a lot of things within the offense. And I think he understands how to play the quarterback position. And I think he has a lot of the physical tools to do it. And as far as the size, I hear you on that, but go back and watch Tom Brady running the 40 at the combine. His, you know, he's wearing some khaki shorts and he's rail thin and and super skinny and I don't know what his weight was exactly, but I think Aaron Rodgers was, was pretty thin coming out of school as well. So I think given some time in an NFL weight room, he can bulk up a bit. And uh, I think he has a quick release, can get the ball out of his hands, can scramble to extend the play well enough that he's not going to get killed out there. Um. One thing I do want to say, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned it in one of my mock drafts earlier this year, I think it was the second one, maybe the first one, you know, people, one thing that people bang on golf for all year long was, you know, I feel like he was maybe him and him and Hackenberg were going to be, they're going to be picks one and two this year until this season started and golf, you know, had that game where he threw five interceptions. Interceptions to me, at the college level, unless the guy is throwing, you know, like 40 and has five touchdown passes, don't really concern me because I think that's the guy, you see fearlessness there. You see a guy that's trying things out and hopefully is going to learn from those mistakes. Yeah, quarterbacks are going to have bad games, you know. Um, Peyton Manning, look at, remember the safety versus Seattle? I mean, that at a huge moment, people <laughs> have, have issues. Not every, everybody's perfect. So, you know, there was a lot being said about how Mariota hadn't thrown a, an interception in practice all all summer last year for the Titans, but that means he's really not trying too much to, you know, he's trying to he's trying to be careful, and you got to be careful as a quarterback. But when Goff throws that many interceptions, obviously your team is behind, and you're trying to force things into tight windows. But if you don't take chances, you're never going to come back and. I do really like that about Goff's game that he is just just kind of a fearless guy and I and I love how he puts that ball up there and he you know he's going to do what he can to make his team win. He's in, he's not going to go, you know, 
go down and, you know, get into this, you know, regular set for his offense and just, just let his team lose by 10 points. He wants to, he's either going to try to tie the game or lose by 20 points. But I mean, you can't, you can't blame the kid for trying and trying to make his team come back because if you're down in the game, you obviously have to throw it to keep that clock moving slowly. So I I really like that about golf and that's why I have him ranked as high as I do at, at number two there. Um, so we're through the quarterbacks, Mike, and I and I just or I just wanted to ask you a guy that we, about a guy that we don't have ranked, and I, don't, I hope I'm not catching you off guard here. But what do you think about um, Vernon Adams? I mean, he's kind of a, a little bit of an enigma. I really like Brian Sweet's write up about him this week on DFW. You got to go back and read that, folks. That's again a no a no sugar coated approach there. They can, or a no BS, however you want to say it. Um, they, they Brian really lays it out there nice. But what what do you think about Vernon. Um, so the size is a, a bit of a concern. So he's short and light. I mean, if you think Goff is, is small, um, you know, Adams is, is only 200 pounds. So he's quite a bit lighter than, than even Goff. Um, so, but, but I think he has some skills in there and I don't, I don't know, know a ton about him. I haven't watched a ton of tape on him. Uh, but just my initial assessment is the the size may end up being an issue, and I don't know that he has the skill set to overcome that. Like there are some small quarterbacks in the league that have an elite skill set to overcome that. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to watch some more tape on him to to say whether or not he does. But from what I've seen, I don't know that I would I would bet on that. Here's one thing that I think that he maybe has working against him is he went to Marcus Mariota's team and he wasn't Marcus Mariota. Obviously, I mean Mariota is a special player to be drafted as high as he was. Do do you think we're maybe over scrutinizing him just a little bit? I mean I know he's you know four inches shorter than Mariota and 25 less pounds, but I mean he's not Mariota and he's never he's never going to be. But maybe you know maybe there is something there. Do you think that's a fair point? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, just from looking at him, he, he was successful at the college level, but I think the, the the game at the college level is so much different than the NFL game, and, and I just don't know if his skill set would transition. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, for me anyway, the verdict's still out on, uh, on Mariota and how whether or not he's going to be an elite NFL quarterback. I think he definitely has the skills and tools to do that, but I'm I'm just not 100% sold on it. Yep, we'll see if, we'll see how he does with a little Demarco Murray action, and hopefully some more offensive linemen here after draft 2016. Um, any other guys that we didn't have to talk about in our top ten? I mean, um, a guy that kind of reminds me of Connor Cook a lot, and I just think. The fact uh, is Kevin Hogan out of Stanford, and I got him ranked at 14. So I mean, I think he's a, a profiled as an NFL backup probably his whole career. But this is a guy that you know struggled, struggled, slowly got better. It was really, really good last year. So I just think somebody that's been through what he has been through is is certainly going to seize any opportunity that he gets at the next level to to really to really be a quality 
team player. And I, and I talk about him, I don't think he's going to be in, on anybody's fantasy team at all, but, you know, maybe he will. Maybe if he is a backup, maybe and he gets that chance um, because he's been through so much. I think he could really, really shine if he's given an opportunity. Have you ever wa- have you watched much on Kevin Hogan? Uh, a, a little bit, and I think coming out of Stanford, I think that running that offense, um, and like you said, he kind of took a step forward in his last year there. Um, I think he profiles as a backup at the next level. I think he's a name to, to keep on your radar if you're in two quarterback deeper dynasty leagues. Um, but I don't think he's anybody that is going to get drafted in the if you have a four-round rookie draft and uh, you only start one quarterback, um, you know, for a regular traditional dynasty league. Um, but for those two quarterback leagues, I think he's somebody interesting to put on the radar. Uh, the one guy that came to mind uh, that we hadn't talked about was Brandon Allen out of Arkansas. Um, little undersized at six one. Um, but I think that he has some pro style experience. I think he has some of the the skills to play at the next level. And again, I, I can't stress this enough. I think landing spot is, is key with a lot of these guys, you know, outside the top six, six or seven. That where they land and the offensive scheme and the quarterback coach that they end up working with if they're able to put the work in and develop their craft to, to be an NFL quarterback. Um, Cause that's one thing I, I've, I've learned over the years is it's such a different game going from college to the NFL. Yeah. Allen throws a nice ball too. And you know, they got two guys, two guards that are going to be drafted here in this two I think they lead, I heard somebody say they lead the college football over the last five years in uh, average offensive lineman weight. I mean, the guys they have coming out, Sebastian Totillo, I think he is, you know, 320. Their other guard, Denver Kirkland, is 345. And one thing you notice about Allen is he knows where those two guys are uh, up in the middle of the field. I mean, they're obviously, because they're going to get drafted, they're obviously the two the, the two best players. They're not tackled on this line, but two best guards, you know, two of the top probably five, six guards in the country. But Allen really moves in the pocket well, and he he knows those guys are going to hold up. So he has no problem stepping up a lot of the time. And I just, you, you like you said with Goff, I see a nice cerebral approach, albeit he is, like you said, very, very undersized. So, um but again, with you know, we talk, we go deep with these quarterbacks right now because you look at the NFL, and I think our buddy Jeff Lloyd said on the Pulse a few uh, last month, you know, there's two teams last year that started four quarterbacks <laughs> through their 16 game slate, four quarterbacks, and you look around the league, you got Tom Brady, Peyton Manning just retired, you know, Denver's got to probably have to draft a quarterback as well, Tony Romo, you know, the guy, if the guy isn't hurt it's a it's an amazing month for him Carson Palmer Philip Rivers is getting up there Big Ben is up there I mean there is a lot of older quarterbacks and I know there's only so many spots in NFL rosters but there is certainly developmental areas of improvement for a lot of teams and 
You know, we talked about it last week with your Steelers. When Big Ben went down, it was Michael Vick and Landry Jones, and it was just, I'm sure for you, not very fun to watch. <laughs> not pretty hard to get excited there. I mean, you know, Alex Smith isn't isn't a spring chicken either there in Kansas City, and they they need they need some, a future piece there. You know, look at you know another guy like Romo, Sam Bradford. I mean, that guy's made so much money throughout the years, and he's never never healthy. There's teams out there, whether you know whether it's a young nucleus of young quarterbacks with the Bortles, the Winstons, the Cars. There's teams out there that need need that backup, the competent backup. And that's why we talk about these guys so much tonight. That's how, that's why we're going so deep because it's just, it's just that type of uh, NFL right now. And we're going to see the, the changing of the guard for a lot of teams. So, and I guess as a whole, Mike, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think this is a relatively deep quarterback class where I don't think there's going to be, you know, five or six hall of famers by any means, but I, I, I think there's, there's probably five to seven guys that I could see starting for NFL teams for, you know, at least, you know, three to five seasons. So that's, I guess that's kind of how I feel about this class as a whole. I think it's a little bit underrated where it's not, you know, there's not two huge superstars at the top. Um, you know, there's, there's three guys that people really like, and then it seems like there's the, the rest of the cast and then it kind of trickles down from there. But I, I really like this class as a whole. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think uh, a lot. I think this is a deeper class than, say, the class last year. So while we had Winston and Mariota at the top last year, there wasn't a ton of depth. There's not a lot of second-year quarterbacks um, that you would get even as excited about as some of the guys that we've talked about tonight. But um, one thing that I've heard, and I've heard this mentioned on quite a few different podcasts and guys talking about it, guys that I respect and listen to quite a bit, and just looking at where the quarterback position is headed. So we're losing guys like Manning, Brady's on his way out. A lot of these guys, these studs at the position, are leaving the game, and who are those guys that are going to take their place? And I just think, like I said before, the, the college game and the NFL game, they're so very much different. And I think these rookies are coming into the league and not necessarily developed enough to play at the NFL level, but yet we're throwing them in to be starters from the jump. And I think it's really affecting the quality of players that we're seeing out on the field. Um, so I do have some kind of concerns, at least long-term, maybe not next year or the year after, but sort of where we're headed with the quarterback position and how that's going to affect, you know, the, the quality of the game that we see out on the field. Um, but I do agree with you that this is probably an underrated class, and it goes uh, deeper than at least last year's class did. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of agree and disagree with some of what you said there. I think there is certain cases where a guy should sit, but there is some cases where, you know, I Somebody did a QB study where, like, I can't remember who it was, so I, I won't go too much into it, but, like, after start 22 or 25, that you really started seeing a change in, in maturity. And obviously it depends on what kind of system you played there. But I I don't know how you feel about him. I may be higher on him a little than a bunch of other people, but I think 
I mean, I think Derek Carr would actually would have been a little better served to sit one year. And I was already ready for him to do that. Totally happy with where he is at right now. And, and I love just the, the untotally never satisfied attitude that he brings to the table for my Oakland Raiders. Um, but I still think he could have maybe been a little bit better had he sat a year. I know the guy had a lot of experience, but it was a, certainly a specialized system there. Now, a guy like, and I guess it is, it's not, it's not, it's not black and white, but a guy like Blake Bortles, I mean, I think they just need to start him until the wheels absolutely come off, you know, and, you know, or, you know until they have, you know, five years where they're ne- never better than six and nine, just because I, I see Bortles get better, even if it's a little bit every game, he is getting better. And I think we're going to start to see him turn the corner. I mean, they got four wide receivers on that team, and now they have two running backs. They have two very experienced and competent tight ends on that team. I mean, he's set up, at least I think, to be a very good player. And he was a guy that a lot of people thought should fit a year and lacked experience at the college level. But I, I, I and just that for that type of player, and just. I guess maybe he's he's the guy that had the size. He had the prototypical size where I think a lot of people maybe thought Carr was a little bit undersized, maybe a little thin for the position. But with that size and athleticism there and something he didn't get a lot of credit there at Bortles, I just think that that is a case where he just needs to start right away. Do you, do you have any thoughts there, Mike, on that? Well, I I understand why NFL teams do it. You know, obviously, if your team's going to go 2-14, and 14, you have a high draft pick that you spent on this quarterback. you got to put fans in the seats. You, you want people to watch the games. You, you need to keep your fan base happy. Um, it, but I do think sort of the, the norm of what normally happens is if you throw a guy out there too early, it can really impact his development. Um, and obviously, it's different with every case. I mean, you got a guy like Ben Roethlisberger started from his second game in his rookie season. He actually started half of the game for his first game and then started every game after that and had immediate success. Um, You know, I I think that's the exception rather than the rule. Um, So I think in terms of long-term success and development at the position – you know, sitting out a year or two, I think, is better off for their long-term prospects than being thrown to the wolves, particularly in a bad team. So, like, Cleveland yeah. is a perennial bad team, and they're just going to continue to draft quarterbacks, put them out there, not surround them with talent, throwing them to the wolves, and they could draft the best quarterback prospect but if you don't put them in a position to succeed, you know, you're going to have a David Carr situation where he was just eaten alive and that dude's NFL career was completely ruined because of the situation that he was putting in. And Cleveland just lost some offensive line too. So <laughs> it's becoming yeah. less and less attractive. Um, uh, that being said, I, I, I would like to see them give Carson Wentz a chance, but, 
that's a, that's a whole other podcast. Um, probably. So, Mike, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Again, we really appreciate uh, what you're able to pump into the rankings with us and get those out for it. And uh, just 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 thank you for being for being a part of our, our great site. And we we are greater because of guys like you. So we we appreciate you, buddy. I appreciate that, Josh. Thanks for having me on. And I had fun tonight. All right. Cool. Take care. All right. Have a good night. I do just want to let people know as as the draft comes closer, we're going to have more podcasts like this. We're going to break down running, just a podcast of running backs, just one of wide receivers, and we'll do a, a full uh, IDP podcast as well as we look at the the defensive side of the ball. And that's a, there's a lot of money makers on the defensive side of the ball in this draft. So uh, stay stay tuned for that as we're going to get to those uh, as we get creep closer to the draft. Um, if you missed the pulse yesterday, we uh, we had kind of a free agency show. Luke Grilly, senior writer here at DF, DFW, joined us. Um, and then me and Nick went on and had a, uh, a free agency kind of supplemental draft. And we did a little short little four-round rookie draft, just the two of us. We brought along some interesting thoughts there, so certainly go back and listen listen to that. And uh, Luke is a guy that's been around here more, you know, a handful of years more than I have. So a guy that I I really trust his judgment. I love reading his work. So make sure you check that out. Cause we we got into it deep there about DFW 48 and just kind of the free agency class as a whole, and uh, talked a lot about did a lot of plant your flag and wash your hands about those type of players that are free agents this year. So make sure you check that out yesterday. Next week, we continue our uh, our uh, going through the divisions as we talk about the NFC East and our buddy over at truelovesports.com, Mark T. Wilson, is going to be joining us. And Mark is there, – there's good people out there in this business, but there there might not be a better person than Mark T. Wilson. He is – he's going to laugh with us, and he's going to – he's going to get mad a little bit because he's going to show emotion and uh, you need to check that out. Cause Mark, Mark is a great dude, but we are going to talk about some tight ends now. And we're also going to talk about some offensive linemen, but we, we ranked them. Um, we got to uh, 13 tight ends on our rankings. Um, the only guy that I didn't rank was Bo Braun Necker uh, out of Harvard. And I didn't rank him because I actually haven't watched any film on him. I've checked out all the rest of these guys. Um, but I haven't watched any film on him, so I didn't. I didn't rank him. I need to look at him a little bit more before I had throw him in there with my rankings. But number twelve, I had Bo Sandlin, uh, a guy that's bounced from Miami to Montana State, and uh, he's looking uh, fairly decent. He's still just a, a little bit raw. Tested really well at the combine, though. Um, number eleven, I have Jake McGee. I'm not going to get too much into these two guys because I just really want to talk about my top ten. But uh, out of Florida. Uh, a nice physical player, and he might uh, he might surprise some people with his athleticism. He's got some very good hands as well. So I really like I really like him, but I couldn't get him in my top ten because this is not. People say this is not a very good tight end class, but there is a lot of intrigue into obviously landing spot and how these guys could develop on their NFL teams. Number ten, I have Henry Krieger Koble. Now, tight end at the University of Iowa, where Cobo is from, is not a position that is used as a receiving position. Uh, so he, you know, he's got that nice basis for a blocking tight end. Uh, most notably from last, from the last couple of years, a uh, tight end that came out of Iowa was T.J. Fedorowicz, who is 
I think the tight end number two right now for on the depth chart there for the Houston Texans. Uh, he's got pretty underrated hands. I really like him. You know, he's somebody that's if he's available in the dynasty league and you have a need a tight end, I would look at him. Uh, Henry Krieger Koval, um, he's a little small at 6'3", 248, but he's got that solid blocking basis. And he understands, can't really hold the underutilization against him because we just don't know how much athleticism he could show if he's in that right situation. But I, I do like him, and I think his learning curve, he might be a little quicker onto the field than some other guys because he, he has such well-roundedness well-round, as a blocker. So he's my number 10. Number 9, um, I have Darian Griswold. Uh, out of Arkansas State, and he is a guy that I think um, could could do a lot of things in offense. He reminds me a lot of a guy that I love from last year's class, Michael Pruitt. The very similar size, six two, six three, two hundred and fifty pound type of guys. Um, Griswold is, is a former basketball player, so there's a lot of athleticism to his game. Um, he's kind of a fearless blocker, though. He doesn't have a lot of college production, but he's a guy that can really get down there and uh, knock some people over. Obviously, NFL is going to be a little bit different. But because of that athleticism, I think you could see you know, some, some really good things from him in the red zone. If he could kind of be you know, that fullback, H-back, factor-back type of player for a lot of teams, you know, guys – Teams that I know that are looking for a fullback at least because um, they may lose theirs via free agency. Uh, Pittsburgh, Dallas is another one. I know fullback, H-back is not a huge position in the NFL right now, but I think Griswold is that type of player that you can do a lot of things with. And he, he, he excites me. I just There's not a lot of production there. But he does. I just think there's some things that he could do given the right situation. He could. Um, number eight, I have. Nobody else probably has this guy ranked this high, but I absolutely love him. It's David Morgan II uh, out of the University of Texas San Antonio Roadrunners. One, one of a great, a great uh, mascot there. But uh, again, a little bit on the smaller side, six four two sixty three. When you see this guy out there, he, you do not think that he weighs that much, but that is what he weighed. Um, at the combine, and what really impressed me at the combine is, and this isn't a, a thing that I don't try to get too overexcited about. You know, people really look at look at the combine test, and there's certain ones to love and certain ones to really not think a whole lot. But the bench press, he's had led all tight ends in in reps with the bench press, and that and I was I was really shocked by that. So, but that does tell you a lot about uh, the, the strength of this kid. I mean, and it's you know it's a it's one it's one thing that people didn't excel at and he obviously did but when you watch him play he is really a nice player within this offense and they move him around he plays he plays the x he can play the z he can play on the line he can be the motion man and he, he just has a nice there's a little bit of a stiffness in his hips and that's you know why he's a guy that's at a smaller school but i just think that there's certain things that he could do for an nfl team that would sur- surprise a lot of people. And I actually see a lot of Heath Miller in him. I know that is a bold statement, but he is a little stiff in the hips. So obviously, you know, the big thing with tight ends is it's going to take a good three years for them to mature. But he's a guy He's a guy that I like, and we can see rise up the ranks, um, given, obviously, the right opportunity. And like I said, this is a, not a huge class, but I, I've studied them, so I want to pass along my knowledge with you. So if you ever have to consider these guys, you can go back to this. 
Um, number seven, I have uh, Bryce Williams out of East Carolina. This guy is huge, six six two fifty seven. That's got to get you excited when the, when you have a tight end that size, and he plays very very big. He didn't have a great combine. He's kind of he's kind of slow, but he does use his his size to his advantage, and I like that. He also played fullback for for a season before he played tight end there at college in East Carolina. So. And uh, I love in my in the American Association, my team is East Carolina, so I, I have seen a little bit more of him than other people, and and I think he does some really good things. And you know, if he would to go to a place like New Orleans, I know they just signed Kobe Fleener, but if he could become that second tight end there, you know, you know, Drew Brees likes to use all his weapons, so he could get some looks there. Um, number six, that's South Carolina's Jarrell Adams. Now, I think I'm probably a little bit low on him. I just see – I don't see enough out of him as a tight end at the college level. I know some teams don't use their tight end, and some teams like to use their tight end as an athlete in their system. That's what what South Carolina does for me or for him with Adams there. But I think he does very well for himself in that athletic aspect. But I don't see enough – of the blocking and you I talk about that I know that's not a fantasy stat by any means but when you don't have that basis you're not going to survive at a tight end at the NFL level because they use that guy you know it kind of is that extra offensive lineman that guy that can get out there in space and create holes and if you don't have that trust in your coaching staff that you're not going to get that job done you're not going to be on the field so I, I have some concerns about Adams he was the fastest tight end of the combine so um I, I I like that, and he, he he's very athletic, but I'm just just concerned that he's going to be somewhat of a situational player and not going to be that legit starting tight end, because that's you know guys the good tight ends in the NFL right now are very athletic. You look at Gronk, you look at Travis Kelsey, they're athletes, but they also play and block the tight end position. So they 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 understand that, and that's why they're always on the field. And I don't know if Adams can be that type of player. That being said, he does remind me a little bit of Jermichael Finley. Um, number five, I have Western Kentucky's Tyler Higby. Um, former wide receiver, uh, his team needed a tight end, so he added weight and became this very solid, reliable contributor. Um, a knee injury cost him most of 2015, so there is a little bit of a concern, and he was not able to test at the combine. but. Uh, this guy can get downfield. And we talked earlier about his quarterback, Brandon Doherty. Um, so that, you know, he has that nice connection there. And, you know, maybe he's the guy that helped Doherty out in, in getting into this, this draft class. But uh, uh, he's a guy that can do some really good things. And I, and I like I, – I think the fact that he's a guy that – and I know it's a different – Step coming from Western Kentucky in the NFL, but if you have a tight end that understands how to get downfield and, and uh, has that ability to get downfield, and you know maybe maybe get past that free safety or get to shake off that strong safety, that that's got to be intriguing to me. So I I, I like Higby. Uh, I think he's gonna gonna do some good things at the NFL level. Obviously, these guys, all these tight ends need some time to develop. Um, and there's really only one major player in this class, but I'll get to more of that in a second. Um, 
Number four, I have Austin Hooper. This guy is just a redshirt sophomore, so he's young, uh, you know, not not a lot of not a lot of miles on him, but he you know he does has a, is a guy that was more you know more of a blocker than a receiver, uh, but he did have some nice receiving highlights there out of Stanford. So I I worry about where he's gonna how he's going to develop. I mean, the Stanford system is 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 not necessarily an NFL scheme. It's 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 okay in terms of a pro style offense. And he does again have that blocking basis, so maybe he can maybe he can come through quicker than I imagine. But just being so young, I just don't I just don't know how that's going to work out for him. And again, landing spot is huge for these guys. Um Thomas Duarte, now this is a guy that played receiver most of his college career. He's gonna try to make it as as that, you know, that offline tight end. Um Lot, lot of, lot of wiggle to his game. Uh, probably the best pure athlete of this bunch. Um, where he wasn't as fast as Adams of the combine. This, he's just, he is just being that, being that former receiver at, at a major school like UCLA. He is just, he just does a lot of things that you wouldn't expect from a tight end. And so, maybe he's going to have to be that offline tight end and a guy that's certainly going to be you know, a, a third down passing type of player. Uh, but uh, who knows how he can develop. And, you know, maybe some team will decide, you know, after a couple of years, hey, this guy's doing okay. Maybe we should push push him outside and have him be a little bit of receiver. 6'2", 231, you know, that's 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 a good basis, but it's it's pretty small for a tight end. So he's certainly an offline tight end. Um, number two, I might be higher on this guy than anybody else. Uh, that's Nick Vanette out of Ohio State. Uh, six six two fifty seven. A uh, great pass catcher. Obviously a good blocker, blocking, making making holes for Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I think he is somewhat limited in in his route tree. So, and he's not overly athletic, like we said here in our rankings. So, I, um, but I think in game he does stuff in the moment that surprises me, and that's why I really like him here at number two. Where he didn't test well, when you watch games, he he just does what he can to make the play. Whether it's a block, whether it's a catch, you know, whether it's even just you know sheepishly clipping a a DB to get, make room for Michael Thomas, he 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 just does what he needs to do for a team to win. So when I see a tight end just play like that, I'm really impressed by him. But really, the whole class as a whole would be would be very very distant in my eyes if it wasn't for the man at the top and that's Hunter Henry out of Arkansas or excuse me out of Arkansas I mean this guy again a guy that wasn't asked to do a whole lot but they lined him up all over the field um insane hands um like I said without question the the best tight end of this class uh, I think because he has again the blocking base and the experience he gets a chance to catch passes in the NFL, I think he could he could break that three-year mold of development for a tight end. I think there is just so much to love about his game. I don't know if he's a first-round pick. I don't know if any team right now in the NFL is that hard up for a tight end. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's taken, you know, even end of second. But there's so much there with this kid. Um, just Just a hard worker, extremely good route runner. Like you said, amazing hands. Just I could not love this kid any more. And there's 
dynasty leagues where I need a tight end and it's it's hard to find guys on the waiver wire. So if if I could have to sit on this guy for a year and wait for him to develop a year or two, I am certainly willing to do that. And if you need a tight end round middle middle round middle second round of your rookie draft, I have no problem recommending Hunter Henry to you because I I think he he has a very very bright future there. So again, not a great class, but I, I want to study these people so I can pass along my findings to you out there and just let you know if you're ever considering them, you, you can have this to fall back on. And because I've, I've looked at them, I've, I've watched film. I haven't just watched 10 minutes of film. I've watched multiple film on, on all these guys. I've searched for it. And you know that's why guys like me and Mike come and do these things for you because we've been watching film for months you know, that's, that's what we do here at DFW, just, just to help you guys out because we want to have that basis there. So we really, really enjoy it, obviously. I feel like I'm living the dream sometime because I get to, I get to you know, tell you people my findings. And it's I, I, I love watching film. And, and tight end is a weird position, and I know it's a super inconsistent fantasy position. Um, but uh, be excited about Hunter Henry. I, I, that's that's all I gotta really say. He makes this class very very good, and don't forget that I love David Morgan the second. So when this kid from Texas San Antonio wrote the Roadrunners uh, makes a splash in the NFL, you know where you heard about him first, and that was that was right here for me. I I I'm not I didn't give birth to him. I, I didn't discover him, but I I am certainly glad I stumbled upon him because I, I really like what he brings to the table there. Uh, out of Texas, San Antonio, the Roadrunners. How cool is that? I mean, it's it's Wiley e. Coyote and Beep Beep. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. But anyway, it's late at night, and I still need to talk about some offensive line. Uh, that's right. I love watching offensive line film. I know I'm, I know I'm a I'm a guy that's here to give you fantasy advice. But these guys are, like I said earlier, the protectors of the realm. If you if your team is adding players like this or your your team's you know your running back is getting surrounded by offensive linemen I want you to know because I I feel very strongly about these guys and I watched film of them so I could do my mock draft for the site and I know it's again it's not a fantasy thing we don't get points for pancakes maybe we will eventually um and I I I would look forward to that but uh I I I studied these guys so I I figured why not towards the end of this podcast just tell you how I feel about these linemen. So I'm going to start with the center position. It's not as sexy as tackle, so why not start there? Um, my kind of kind of long long shot later round guy that I like is Graham Glasgow out of Michigan. He is a center, but I think he can also be a guard in the NFL. And I think having that nice versatility is he could come through and be a, a very productive player at the NFL and very successful for the offense that he's in. And I, that dual, that dual ability is going to help him out a lot. But my number five center is Evan Bowen out of Mizzou. Excuse me. Um, uh, another, another big strong kid that uh, can do, do some good things and, you know, has, has some nice experience under his belt, you know, Center is a position that requires a lot of knowledge in the NFL, and I think Bowen is a guy that's going to do that. Um, Jack Allen, been the center for Connor Cook there at Michigan State. I have at number four. Um, a little bit 
a, a little bit of a smaller size, but kind of a kind of an underrated athlete out of the, out of the center position. Um, super underrated athlete, as far as I'm concerned, is my number three guy, Max Turk, out of USC. Uh, again, sub 300 pounds, uh, but a guy that can you know help help get get to that second level. And you really you know if you're not playing against a three four team, you don't have a a guy lined up on on your center. If, if you have an athlete to get out to that second level and throw blocks, it's going to help uh, help out your team. So I really like Max Turret. But these top two guys, I go back and forth on them all the time. I absolutely love uh, Nick Martin out of Michigan. Excuse me, Nick Martin out of Notre Dame. Uh, brother, maybe I'm screwing up, but maybe yeah, his brother plays for the Dallas Cowboys. That's Zach Martin. So yeah, this is the right Martin I'm talking about here. Uh, Nick Martin, a kid that could obviously slide out and play guard too can do a lot of things for an NFL team. And I, I think he's going going to be a, a Pro Bowl-style player for for uh, for many years in the NFL. But number one, Ryan Kelly, Alabama Crimson Tide. I said it before, these guys always have NFL offensive linemen. And uh, Kelly is certainly no no exception to that rule. Just Just a quality player through and through. Was really, really looked really good to me at least at the combine. You know, I'm not looking at 40 times for these guys and getting overly excited, but I love watching them. You know, shuffle their feet and and do those kicks, kick slides and whatnot. And Kelly is just a guy coming coming from Alabama. He, you know, he has obviously great players around him. You don't know how these guys for Alabama are going to react at the next level when they're not surrounded by such amazing talent. But I do believe that he can do some really, really good things there for that uh, Alabama. For out of Alabama, I do think he could do some very good things at the next level. Um, at guard, uh, my my kind of out of my top five player is Denver Kirkland, who I talked about earlier. A massive human. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I meant to, I need to use that title a little bit later. But just a massive person uh, named out of Arkansas, 345 pounds. I think he's even something like 6'6". I mean, it's just ridiculous how big this guy is. And, you know, you might see, oh, he's not going to be an athletic enough player at the NFL, but uh, I don't don't vote against him. He's he's a guy that's slipping in some, some of the, the big full-round mocks that I have seen, but uh, I, think, uh, I think you're going to see some very good things out of him, and I'm I'm very, very excited about his future, but he didn't make my top five because I have studied some other guys, and I'm going to go with them over him. Uh, his teammate, number five at guard, Sebastian Tritello, um, a little bit, a little bit smaller, just you know, 15, 20, excuse me, 25 pounds smaller there, um, but a guy that is able to get to that second level, even at that type, even at that size of 319, 320. Um, I think he's just, just a a better athlete than you would expect a man that size to be. And that, of course, that means he's going to be very good in the running game. Six four three fourteen is his official stats there. So I, I, I'm excited about what he, what he can do. That's where he's waiting at the combine, I guess you should say. Um, who and look, it looks like, looks like Kirkland actually, actually trimmed off 10 pounds too for, before the combine. So good, good for him. Um, but uh, I'm a little disappointed. He's not three forty plus, but what, whatever he need, he need to be that athlete that's, at the next level. So Trutello is a guy that's slipping, you know, some people have him 
out of out of their top five. But I, I, I think he's going to be a very quality player for, for quite some time in the mid mid rounds there. Number four, I have Josh Garnett out of Stanford. Just a, a, a beast in the run game. I mean, NFL, you want to establish that run game early on and do some good things. And this guy is just a thumper. I mean, he's going to get to that second and even sometimes third level and just not guys on their tail. Just a, a very aggressive player. And, again, he's kind of one of those Stanford seniors who had a better year as a senior of not quite as good um, earlier in his college career, as Jack Fullman told us last month on the on the Dynasty Pulse. But a guy that I, I think could be very good, and I would be excited if my team drafted him. Um, number three, Arizona State, Christian Westerman. Uh, I think most highly regarded as the strongest man at the combine did the, did the most uh, bench press reps, I believe. Um, yeah, I did 34. So one more than another guard, Connor McGovern, uh, 6'3", 298. Um, doesn't look bad out there though. I mean, the guy is all muscle and he, he could do a lot of damage, I believe at the NFL level. Number two, I have, Vidal Alexander out of LSU. He he did play some tackle, um, uh, so he's got that tackle guard ability there. But I think he's really going to be a guard here at the next level. So look for him to do that with the team. Uh, but just another massive kid who's going to do do good things in the run game and hopefully slow down some some faster guys up the middle there and and uh, be be able to help your quarterback get some get some time. Fidel Alexander, six five, three twenty six out of LSU. Number one, I think he is kind of the consensus number one guard out there. Probably a first round talent. Out of excuse me, out of Kansas State and that is Cody Whitehair. Um I I like him, and I ha- maybe have him number one because that is the consensus. There are certain certain things that I uh, concern me about him because he's not he's not this extremely great athlete where you want to see a guy that can get out there and run in space and knock some people over because he is just at that three hundred pound mark. You would maybe expect a, a guy like that to be a little more agile, as you know, as agile as you can be at that weight. But just a guy that can really get out there and do some do some good things that being said he holds up very well in pass blocking and where he's not he's not knocking people over at the second level he is just holding his ground and he does not give up on his blocks and that is one thing that nobody else I think in this guard class does this guy just is a, a competitor from whistle to whistle and I love that about him um, let's go to the real sexy position. That's offensive tackle. You know, these are the people that we see go in the top ten. You see a couple of them every single year. People, people love them. They're they're the cornerstones of franchises. They're your quarterbacks' backside protection. Um, so let's get to the get to them. And my my large human pick is uh, Stefan Nembot out of Colorado. Excuse me. Did more reps than a guy that. Long should do six foot seven, um, three hundred and twenty pounds, I believe. Yeah, six seven, three twenty two. Now people banged a little bit on the Raven Clark for not doing enough reps, but when you're six foot seven, your arms are pretty damn long, 
And you expect, you know, guys like that to use their wings in space and to knock people over, but you don't expect them to put up that much weight at, at that at that level or even at, at the combine. I just don't I don't think you can expect that much out of, out of a guy that, that is that big. Yet Nimbot was was an absolute beast at the combine putting that thing up. So where I don't necessarily love the bench press, I don't think it means a whole lot. This guy led tackle position with 32 bench press reps at, at six foot seven. Jason Spriggs was number was number two right behind him at six foot six. So when you see these big guys that can do that, I think you really need to be impressed by that. Um, another guy outside of my top ten, that's right, I ranked ten tackles, and I'm going to talk about 12 of them because that's how much I study these guys, and I absolutely love it. Cole Toner out of Harvard. Maybe a guy that's going to take a, take a year or two to sit on a bench, but I think he can do some some very good things. Um, just uses his all of his body very well and is able to 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 cut people down. And uh, again, a learning curve coming out of uh, Harvard. I think I said Stanford coming out of Harvard to the NFL. Uh, but uh, I, he, he think some people are very excited about him, and I think that is with. Uh, with definite good cause. Uh, but let's get to my top ten. Uh, Jack, no, Jack Murphy, Kyle Murphy, excuse me, out of Stanford, six foot six, three oh five, probably a third, fourth, fifth round type of player. Um, pretty slight for a tackle. Probably going to be a right tackle, but you know, guys that we see come on that side are guys like Vaughn Miller. So we need. We need maybe he is six foot six, so he's he's the longer guy. He can hopefully clip down or slow down those guys coming off the edge. People are a little bit down on him, but I think because he is a little bit undersized, that may, enables him to move a little bit faster. And with guys coming off the edge at such a such force, such so low, so hard, I think tackles that are smaller. But still, that six five six six range are going to thrive at the NFL. Another guy that I think is going to be a right tackle I have at number nine, and that's John Theus. There's there's a lot of tackle talent in this draft, and and I really love this guy. But I'm not going to throw him over uh, Larry Mitunso. But this guy is so good with his feet, and he's six six three thirteen out of Georgia. And that's John Theus again. So good with his feet. I think there is a definite spot for him in the NFL to be successful for quite some time. And that's uh oh excuse me, I had Theus at number eight. Number nine is LaRaven Clark, six foot five, three sixteen. Some people some people are down on him. And I'm sorry I screwed him my other there. Some people are down on him, but I, I like him. Um I think because he played came from Texas Tech and played at that pass heavy offense. I think he is maybe a little ahead of the game in terms of pass pro. So I, I think and he's got those big long arms. I think you're going to be. Some people are going to be very impressed by what what he can do and how he can hold up. He has 36.12 inch arms. That's just insanity. Jermaine City had some very long arms as well. Ronnie Stanley's up there too, but um, at six foot five, the longest arms in the class. So he he is built like refrigerator, I guess you would say. But these are tackles. So he's a guy that going to get a job probably early on in his career and again he's my number nine Theus is my number eight already talked about Taylor Decker I had number seven probably lower than a lot of people have him 
but I, I, I fear that he's going to be a guard at the next level. I know he's six foot seven, 310 pounds. So that's a pretty tall guard, but I'm just not sold on what, what, how he's going to hold up. He's going to probably have to play right tackle early on. So I'm just not sold how he's going to be able to hold up. Number six, I have Jarrell, excuse me, Gerald Hawkins out of LSU. Some people really, really like this guy. Again, with this smaller, taller, but slighter, six foot six, three oh five, moves very well for that size. Uh, and a guy that can you can run behind, but also help help your quarterback out. He might be the the lowest ranked left possible left tackle I have in this class. Uh, number six, Jermaine Fetty out of Texas A&M. 3'24". Again, I mentioned the 36-inch arms. Um, just, I, I I can't imagine being like a safety coming, coming up in the box and then seeing this guy open up and coming right at you. I don't know what, I mean, obviously you can try to get around him, but that's a, that's a lot of space to get around. 6'6", 36-inch arms, 324 pounds. I mean, you're not pushing him back. You need to you need to make a circle around this guy. So really like that guy. <laughs> and the class tackle class starts getting really good from here. Uh, Jack Conklin, number four, I think a lot of people were a little bit down on him, pushing him into the second round, tested amazing at the combine, certainly jumped into the top 15 conversation, I believe because of that, because he's showing that ability to play left tackle at the next level. Um, 6'6", 308, again, closer to 300 pounds than over the 320 mark. Um, just just love what he brings to the table. And, and a strong kid, too, a guy that's very, very good against the run, but has, you know, the athletic basis in him to, to hold up in the pass pro, too. Uh, number three, I want to put him higher, but I'm not – an expert on offensive linemen, so I'm not going to do that. But Jason Spriggs, 6'6", 301, again, right around 300 pounds for these guys. Um, very, very good at getting to the second and third level. Um, not fast like uh, Lyle Collins, you know, running downfield with Darren McFadden last year, but very good at getting downfield and blocking for guys like Tevin Coleman and Jordan Howard, who's a 2016 running back prospect, if you haven't studied him. So I really, really think he's a guy that a team like Carolina needs to look at late in the first, but he's probably going to go a little bit higher. So teams that need tackles are going to be jumping all over these, these next probably these, these four top four guys. Uh, Number two, I have Ronnie Stanley again, very, very long arms, six, six, three, 12. People think he's a bit of a project. I, I just see a guy that's going to step in and help immediately. Where he might be a project, he's a guy that you need to let learn on the fly. You can't let him sit on the bench. He needs to get in there. He needs to get beat a couple times and get angry because he, he's good at playing angry, and he's gonna he's very good chopping people down in the run game. But he has that long frame that's going to hold up in pass pro. Keep your quarterback protected and that's that's obviously what you want here at the nfl and then finally number one i know i've talked about over 20 offensive linemen now and i hope you're still listening not totally bored but i absolutely love this stuff 
I maybe am in the wrong business. Maybe I should be an offensive line coach. But anyway, number one, the huge consensus, number one, probably the next Orlando pace. I mean, just couldn't love this kid more. Larry Mutunzel out of Old Miss. The guy, 6'5", 3'10". He gets low. Like a guy that size should not be able to get low, right? But he gets low and is able to get under these guys, you know, these edge benders, these edge crushers, as I like to call them. He's able to get under these guys and get in their ribs and punish them. And that, I mean, that is what you want at the NFL level. Um, If he is not number one to the Houston Texans, they obviously don't like Marcus Mariota because they need to protect this guy. You're going to draft him. You're going to move the one over to the – to the other side, and you're going to have two credible tackles to protect this mobile quarterback. Um, if he's not number one, he's got to be number two. Otherwise, I am completely way off. If he is the third pick, I I won't do another mock draft next year because this guy, he is by far not only the best tackle in this draft, he might be the best player in this draft. And I know that's not going to help your fantasy team per se, but if you're a Marcus Mariota owner, you want Laramie Tunsil on the Titans. If you're a DeMarco Murray owner, you want Laramie Tunsil on the Houston, excuse me, Houston Titans, Tennessee Titans. This is the guy that franchises are built around. Orlando Pace, Anthony Munoz, you know, Joe Staley is another guy that's you can build around and you can mix and match and he can, he can help, you know, if you lose an offensive lineman to injury, I think he's a guy that's going to understand that, you know, and he has the presence and the athleticism and the know-how to help out in other situations. And uh, is it possible to double team an offensive lineman? Because I think people might need to do that <laughs> at the next level. You might have to have two guys rush at this guy to get around him because uh, I just don't know if that's going to be possible. Obviously he's had, He's people that have beaten him at the college level and people that have given him fits, but he is so well at adjusting. I just, I couldn't love this guy more. And even as a fantasy nerd, I have no problem saying that he is the best player in this draft. So I hope you enjoyed this special edition of the dynasty pulse. And if you don't like hearing about offensive linemen, you don't need to listen to that portion, but I, I, had no problem doing because I love watching it and I and I know it's maybe a waste of time as far as some fantasy people are concerned but I but I I need to write these mocks and I and I love studying them and these guys are I, I'll say it till I've turned blue in the face and I, I probably am because I've been talking just by myself here for 45 minutes um he he's these guys are the protectors of the realm. And you that your realm is the quarterback. Your realm is the running game. You need to set that thing up to be successful to get your passes downfield. And uh, these these are the guys that are going to make that difference. And there is no other guy that's going to make that big a difference next year than Laramie Tunsil. So hope you enjoyed it. A lot of, a lot on the quarterback. A lot on the tight ends. A lot on the offensive linemen. So and there's going a lot more to come as we're going to do one show probably two hours again, just dedicated to running backs. Another show just dedicated to wide receivers. We'll have probably two or three guys on that. 
another another just IDP show as we look at defensive tackles, defensive ends, inside, outside linebackers, edge crushers, edge benders, whatever you want to call them, safeties, cornerbacks, whatever we can do to help out your full IDP squad and your dynasty squad. So check that out. We're going to keep keep that going. We're going to keep the dynasty pulse rolling as we look at team by team by team reviews going leading up to the draft. Um, and then more more specialty podcasts like this after the draft to get to let you know how our rankings have changed. So thank you for listening. We 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 appreciate being able to do this every single week for you and doing these specialty podcasts because it's what we love and we're we're going to get into it. We're obviously passionate about it and we're going to give you what we have learned because we do it for you and we thank you so much for listening. This has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast quarterback slash tight end slash offensive line prospect so uh thank you so much for listening um and and have a great night
It was it was beautiful. Tom Flores. Yes, Mr. President. I have already had a call from Moscow. They think that Marcus Allen is a new secret weapon, and they insist that we dismantle it. That was a beautiful run. Clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Malcolm Butler. 